law says, carry your own load. Grace says, you can lay that burden down, you know. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. Peter called the law of Moses a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear. Why would Christians volunteer to get under that yoke again and pressure other Christians to do the same? Is it pride or a simple unbelief that keeps us from God's rest? We've been studying Hebrews chapter 4. Today, Jim will complete his sermon, The Rest That Brings Relief. Verse 9. Circle this if you circle it in your Bible. A Sabbath rest remains, therefore, for God's people. In other words, the Sabbath rest that God experienced back there on the seventh day of creation and all that that meant to him, that same rest is available to us today. How do we get it? Go unto Jesus. Come unto me, all you the labor have laid. I will give you that rest. I will take you into that rest. Take my yoke upon me, learn of me, and you'll, you'll gain more and more and more confidence in that rest, and you'll be more and more and more at peace with yourself and with others in that rest. The Sabbath rest remains. That promise that we read about in verse 1, the promise remains. The promise remains. The promise remains of entering into his rest, God's rest. That promise remains to today. We enter in by faith. Now notice the rest of the paragraph. A Sabbath rest remains, therefore, for God's people. For the person who has entered, the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works just as God did for us. Who's the person there? Commentators are split as to what that means. Some say that's an invitation to us, and it defines that when we actually take God at his promise, we enter into his rest, and that results in us resting from our works just as he rested from his work of creation on the sixth day. I am on the other side of the, of the ledger. I think that he is talking about there's Jesus. And here's what I think that verse means. The Sabbath rest that's provided for us, that remains, that's offered to us, that's promised to us as God's people, Jesus has entered his rest and he has rested from his own works just as God did from his. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, ascended back to the Father, what did he do? He sat down. Writers are going to make a great deal about that in just a chapter or two. When Jesus finished his work of salvation on the earth, when Jesus became a man, did all, all that he did in order to provide salvation and forgiveness to us on the basis of grace as a gift. When he finished all of that work and he arose, he didn't go to heaven to pace the floor and debate with Satan. He sat down. His work was done. When Jesus said from the cross, it is finished, it was done. You can't add anything to it. I can't anything to it. There's no good work you or I can do to add to that salvation. Salvation is done. 
the rest and peace with God that Jesus Christ came to provide by being our substitute, that work is done. And it's magnificently symbolized or illustrated by the fact that Jesus right now is seated in heaven. He's not prowling around. He's not stewed. He's not pacing back and forth. He sits at the right hand of God the Father, plays highest place of honor and power in all the universe. That's where he sits, and he sits. And what did the Father say to him? You sit at my right hand until I, until I, until I make your enemies your footstool. You see it? Jesus' work is done. He's resting. That doesn't mean he's inactive. Doesn't mean he does nothing. It means that there's nothing left to be done, just as God rested on the seventh day of creation because there was nothing, nothing left to be done when it came to the order of creation that God purposed to bring to pass upon the earth and the heavens. All that would be created was created. God said, there, I'm done. And he rested the seventh day. When Jesus went back to heaven, everything that could be done, should be done, needed to be done, was done. It's done. It's done. You can't add to it. You can't delete it. It's done. And he sits at the Father's right hand. And the invitation is, come, sit with me. Come, take my rest. Enter a relationship with me by faith where everything you need for life, for eternity, for forgiveness, for peace, for salvation, for security, for success, everything you need is done. I'm the doer. I can see it in your eyes. You're saying, that can't be true. That's, that's, that's got to be West Virginia perversion. <laughs> no, it isn't perversion. It's absolute truth. Absolute truth. So what is the promise of rest? The promise of rest is, verse 11, let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience as the Israelis did in the wilderness back there under Moses. Now here's the difference. Moses, man of faith that he was, was not God. He was not perfect. He failed. He didn't get to go into the land under Joshua either. Remember that? That doesn't mean that Moses was an unbeliever means that Moses was a man subject to failure. Jesus never failed, never sinned. And being God the man, he finished the task, secured the peace, endured the pain, and is set down at the right hand of God, anticipating the fulfillment of all that he accomplished in his sacrifice on our behalf. You see that? Look at the verse again. Let us then make every effort 
to enter that rest so that no one will fall and fail to enter the rest like those folks did back there in the wilderness. See the parallel? Okay, here we come with the wrap. Verse 12. What do we need to enter that rest? What do we need to receive the promise? What do we need to enter into his rest? Look at verse 12. The word of God, that would be the scriptures, God's revelation, is living and effective and sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates as far as divides soul, spirit, joints, marrow. It is a judge of the ideas and thoughts of the heart. What's that saying? That's saying that the Word of God is designed by God to penetrate the deepest part, the deepest recesses of our being, and expose anything that is disturbing our participation in Christ's rest. That's what the Word of God is designed to do. It's not just memorizing verses. It's not just accumulating historic facts. It's not just... It, it's, not just, it's, it's not just being a biblio-centered person with lots and lots of information. It's that this word is living. It's dynamic. And it penetrates our hearts and minds and will disclose to us anything and everything that interferes with or disturbs that rest, that peace, that confidence we have in Jesus Christ and his ability to finish the work. So that's the first thing. We need to pay attention to the scriptures. Not as a work. Not as something, man, we've got to memorize 15 verses or we'll drop three, three degrees on our sanctification. No. We need to absorb the word of God as you would a tonic, as you would good nourishment, and you need to be sensitive that when you take the word into your heart, into your mind, God's going to use that word to speak to you. And he's going to point out things that need to change. He's going to point out things you're planning that you shouldn't be. And he's going to point out areas where you're not trusting in him. And he's going to lead you and guide you through the scriptures. He's going to teach us about Jesus. Remember, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. How do you do that? Through the scriptures, through the, through, through the scriptures themselves. They tell us about Jesus. They tell us about all that he's done. And they excite and encourage us to get rid of anything that hinders that peace and disturbs that rest. That's the first thing. Second thing, no creature is hidden from him. Now we're talking about God himself. Not just his word. No creature is hidden from him. But all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That's probably a reference to the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. As much as it is a reference to the Father and the Son as well. All members of the Godhead have that capacity. But the Holy Spirit comes to live within us to take the word of God and we can't play games with him. We can't fool him. We can quench him. We can resist him. But we cannot play games with him. He knows us, knows all about us, 
and is actively seeking to help us recognize those aspirations, those desires, those attitudes, what have you, that are, are peace-disturbing and rest-robbing. Those things where we're taking matters into our own hands and deciding, don't need you for this one, Jesus, I'll do this myself. Don't need you for this one, Holy Spirit, I've got this covered, I'll do this on my own. What a foolish, 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 unwise decision to make. And the Spirit of God who lives within us is there to prompt us, to convict us of those things that will disturb and disrupt that peace. God wants us to experience peace. He wants us to live in confidence. He wants us to have his rest. He wants us to enter into the joys and benefits of everything that God the Son has provided for us that God the Father has done for us and continues to do, and that God the Holy Spirit has planted within us to accomplish. God has it all covered. And he wants us to be at rest. Here's the third thing, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession. For we do not have a high priest who is not able to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way, just as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help at the proper time. There you have it. You have the Spirit of God, you have the Word of God, you have the Son of God already at heaven inviting us to bring to Him anything and everything that disturbs us or frustrates us or whatever, and find grace to help in those times of pressure. Isn't that incredible? So enter his rest. Every one of us who have been parents have this much understanding and many, many experiences of what I'm about to share. <laughs> Found my son crying one day in the bedroom I said, what's wrong? Oh, Daddy said, got to work this one out. Okay. And I started to go out, he said, Dad. And then he laid out what was bothering him. I would willing have given my kingdom to solve that problem for him. You've all been there. It's the natural instinct of the parent to want to take the burden, solve the problem, and restore to your child rest, confidence, peace. Now, we're limited. <laughs> we are very limited in what we can do. We ought to do more of it, I'm sure. I'm sure we all feel that way. Sometimes, Sometimes our emotions get ahead of our wisdom and we maybe make some choices. We should let them work through themselves. We've all been there. Our Heavenly Father feels that way. He sees us stressed. He sees us worried. He sees us burdened. And he recognizes that in that attitude, there's a measure of doubt, unbelief, lack of maturity, Lack of trust. The only difference is he doesn't have to say, oh, I wish I could do something about that. 
he can and will and does. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are burdened down. I will give you rest. What's the rest? It's trusting, believing, knowing that our Heavenly Father has it all covered. Nothing can separate us from him and his love. Even death itself can separate. Nothing can separate us from his love. So rest, my child. Him writer said, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. And when you do, know that you're placing it in competent hands. And he knows the best outcome and he has infinite resources to make that outcome. So tonight, come on in, he says. Come on into my rest. Take my rest. Take my peace. Trust me. Believe me. I have it all under control. See that? That's what the passage is talking about. Moses couldn't do that for those who followed him. Keeping the law for any reason, any moralistic reason cannot accomplish that. Rest and peace are the gift that God gives to his children when they place their faith and trust in him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll take care of the details. <laughs> he knows you're here. And he's committed to your best. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this portion of your word. It's pretty complicated. It takes us all over the Old Testament map. But one thing is certain, we can enter into a rest that Jesus enjoys because everything he did, he did for us. And it's finished. It's done. Guaranteed. Everything that you did, Father, is, it's done. It's completed. No surprises for you. And you are resting even as you implement the details that you set in motion from that, that seventh day when you were taking a sabbatical. The Holy Spirit is living within us and with your word written he has tools to change us, teach us about you, and to encourage us to trust you, believe you, and then rest in you. Increase our faith, Father. Don't let any of us, any who hear my voice, don't let any of them fall away from trusting you. Don't let us depart from you in unbelief. You are the living God. 
All other options are dead idols, mirages, human fairy tales. You are the living God. Help us not to let sin build a deceptive base within our hearts. Help us not to doubt your word. We look forward, Father, to all that you plan and all that you are going to fulfill. This book rings with that promise that we can trust you to bring it to pass, and you will. We look around us and see many things that stimulate us to anticipate the shout, the voice, the archangel, the trump of God, and that very, very long-for voice saying, come on up here children, and will rise, those dead will be resurrected, and will meet you in the air. It's neat to know we may be having breakfast with you at your place tomorrow morning, King Jesus. If not, if not, it doesn't mean you've forsaken us, forgotten us. It doesn't mean that we are abandoned, and it certainly doesn't mean that you failed. We can trust you with a whole heart. And I pray that each of us who have listened to your word tonight would embrace that word with all of our hearts and seek to, seek to rest in your promises and encourage others to do the same thing. Thank you for our time together tonight. Uh, give us a safe trip home and uh, bring us back next week as we begin to see some things about this great high priest that are just incredibly fantastic. And how all of that works to our benefit, how all of that illustrates your sufficiency, how all of that explains the rest that you want us to enjoy. So direct us, we pray, in Jesus' precious name, amen. Hebrews 4 is like my wife's suitcase when we travel, densely packed. We encourage you to continue to study this passage and be diligent to enter the rest that's promised here. But as far as the broadcast is concerned, we have to move on. We finish Jim's sermon, The Rest That Brings Relief. You can have either the individual talk or the series on CD. The single sermon is available for your gift of $7 or more. And the album of 19 discs will come to you for an offering of $66 or more. The series title is God's Ultimatum, Volume 1. We know people who've had their lives changed, and I mean their eternal lives, through something they heard on Right Start. We give all the glory to God and thanks to those who are helping us. The two big ways you can do that are pray for the ministry and give to offset our expenses. If you'd like to join the team, you can make that connection on the website, rightstartradio.org. Online, you can donate securely. You can listen to previous radio shows or complete sermons and more. You know, the holiday season is coming. It's, it's here. It might be a good time to check out this podcast thing that Dan keeps talking about so you can keep Right Start coming no matter how high the level of hustle and bustle get. 
There's a link at rightstartradio.org. Or mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Or call 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. I'm Dan Pope. Thanks for listening. We'll think about Jesus in his capacity as our great high priest on tomorrow's episode. As always, you're invited to join us for the next Right Start.